0: Happy Labor Day, everybody! My name is Sky Matsuhashi, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me and Smart Poker Study. So this episode is dropping on Labor Day, and there's two reasons for that. First off, at thepokerforge.com, there's my Labor Day lifetime deal. Here's how it works. You buy one year of the Poker Forge, you get lifetime. Can you believe that? You get lifetime access to the nine masterclass courses, the 10th course coming next year. All of the bonuses, the downloads, the cheat sheets, the quizzes, and the monthly events. So once again, go to thepokerforge.com to buy one year of membership and get life. The second reason this episode is dropping on Labor Day, it's because today starts a brand new series of five videos all about using your HUD to exploit your opponents. These five videos are going out on YouTube because this is the month of YouTube. Every single weekday this month, I'm dropping a brand new video. So if you're not already subscribed and not watching my videos already, go to smartpokerstudy.com slash YouTube. Subscribe and watch the first video of this new HUD series that's out right now. And of course, to help you get the most out of this episode, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod407. You'll see basically a transcript of the entire episode. That's going to make it super easy for you to copy it, paste it into your Word document, edit it down, and then boom, your study notes are right there. All right, so let's get to today's HUD-based number of hands that you need to reliably use your HUD to exploit your opponent's episode. Gambate! (laughs) I'm a college man! I won't need my high school diploma anymore! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-R-T! The HUD is a tool that, when used properly, it helps you exploit your opponents, but it can easily be misused, and it can lead to some loss and to some ruin, possibly, right? For example... You're facing a flop C-bet, and all you have is a jack high hand. You look at your villain's flop C-bet stat, and you see it's at 75%. Oh, it's looking good that they C-bet very frequently. So you decide to make a bluff raise. You raise it to two and a half times their C-bet, then they come back over the top, and they shove all in. So you ask yourself, what went wrong? You take the time to glance at their stats again, and you see that you only have 60 hands against them and you notice their seabed of 75%, it's only 3 out of 4 opportunities. You have screwed up royally here, so you fold your hand in disgust because of your failed bluff. So you made the ultimate HUD-related mistake of not paying attention to the numbers behind the statistical percentages. So let's first discuss the number of hands played. The first sign of your HUD's reliability or any given statistic in your HUD, the first sign is the total number of hands that you have on your opponent. Now the numbers that I'm about to give you, they're not set in stone, but they will help you be a little bit more confident in your opponent's HUD stats. The first is zero to 100 hands played. Now this is simply a start. Most statistics are not that reliable yet, but there are some preflop stats that accumulate quickly and they can, they can be reliable at this point. These are like VPIP, PFR, LIMP, Raise First In, and Call 2-Bet. The next range is 100-500 to 500 hands played. Now, things are getting quite better now and more of your stats are reliable, especially the 5 I just mentioned. Any steel-related stat is also reliable at this point, and most flop-related stats like flop c and fold-to-flop c those are reliable as well. Beyond that, the turn-in-river stats, they're probably not reliable just yet. The next range is 500 to 1,000 hands. Now at this point, we are talking some reliable stats for sure. This is a pretty good number of hands to be relatively confident in your pre-flop and most of your post-flop statistics. And the final range is 1,000 hands or more. Now this is great at this point. With 1,000 hands, your opponent has played 166 rounds of 6-max poker and 111 rounds of full ring poker. Most of your stats are reliable at this point, and you can make lots of exploitative decisions based on the stats. But the number of hands played is just your initial sense of reliability on a given stat. What is more crucial is the sample size for each statistic. So let's dive into those right now. Sample sizes are the number of opportunities that each statistic is taking into its calculation. So earlier, that 75% seabed example, well, that might seem like a lot. But like I said, if it's only three out of four opportunities, that's not as reliable as 75 out of 100 opportunities. And the reason why is because we know this. Anything can happen over four opportunities, right? But with 100 opportunities, their frequencies and their natural play style becomes evident. So when do sample sizes become reliable? Well, for me, for the most part, I think it's at 10 or more opportunities some stats do require more but let's think about the 10 opportunities in terms of vpip right here so at 1 out of 10 or only 10% vpip this player could have been dealt nine crappy hands out of the first 10 that they played we've all gone through streaks of 10 20 30 even 40 or 50 hands folding every single hand because we kept getting dealt jack 4 offsuit queen 7 suited or 6 4 offsuit right so Seeing 1 out of 10 doesn't really tell us that this person is super nitty, not just yet. But let's look at the other extreme. What if it's 90% or 9 out of 10 opportunities to VPIP? Well, they could have been dealt 9 decent hands in a row, but it's more likely that they are a flop-loving player and they found reason to call with 9 out of 10 hands. VPIP happens with every single hand dealt but some opportunities happen only occasionally. So let's look at C-bet flop as an example. If you have the opportunity to C-bet on the flop, that means you were the pre-flop raiser. If your flop C-bet stat is only 10% or 1 out of 10, then that means 9 out of 10 times after you showed pre-flop aggression, you chose not to continuation bet. Now this is pretty indicative of a flop honest player. You are only c-betting when you like the board. If on the other hand, your c-bet flop stat is 90% or 9 out of 10, then you are not so flop honest and you love c-betting on the flop. But we should also consider the situation that led to your opportunity to c-bet. If your preflop raise stat was at maybe 40%, this means you love to raise preflop. So you get into a ton of c-betting opportunities. If you couple this with the idea that you like to c-bet bluff a lot, then we should give your c-bets zero respect. But on the other hand, maybe you're a nitty player and your pre-flop raise is very infrequent, like 8%, or let's see even out of 10%, or out of 10 opportunities, it's 1 out of 10, 10%. Then your 90% flop c-bet could be full of value bets. Now, I can hear a lot of you saying, because I've been, people have messaged me on this kind of stuff before, right? They think that 10 opportunities are just not enough to base decisions on. And I totally have to disagree with that, right? The extremes are where you can find good exploits. So even with smaller sizes or smaller sample sizes, that holds true. And here's an example that I love. Maybe you are married and before you go golfing on Sunday, you have to ask your wife your friend Jimmy has to ask his wife as well. Over the last 10 Sundays, your wife has said yes nine times. So even though 10 is a rather small sample size, she said yes 90% of those opportunities. So when you ask her next Sunday if you can go golfing, you're reasonably certain that she's going to say yes again. But your friend Jimmy's wife told him yes only one out of 10 times. So because she has said yes only 10% of the time, the next time he asks her, you and Jimmy, you can both expect her to say no with reasonable certainty, right? So when somebody tells you that you cannot trust a flop seabed at 10% because it's only 1 out of 10 opportunities, they are flat wrong. They could be correct if the percentage is somewhere in the middle, like 4, 5, or 6 out of 10 opportunities. That's harder to read right there. But the closer the statistic lies to one of the extremes like 0, 1, or 2 out of 10, or 8, 9, or 10 out of 10, then you can use this number to exploit your opponent. Beyond this, the bigger the sample size, the more reliable the statistic. Things start at 10 opportunities, between 10 and 30, that's pretty good. And anything over 30 opportunities is perfect. But you're still looking to exploit statistics at the extremes. If your opponent has folded to c-bets 4 out of 30 times, or 13%, it's pretty safe to say they are not going to fold to your next c-bet. You can use this information to c-bet for value only and possibly size your c-bet bigger. And if you're considering a bluff, maybe use only your best drawing hands and size it smaller if a bigger sizing won't increase their folding frequency. Now let's look at the other extreme. What if they're folding... 26 out of 30 times, which is 87%. Feel free to bet bluff almost all the time. And if you have one of those crazy value hands, you may be better off checking instead just to allow them to bluff later or maybe hit something worthy of giving you value on the next street. Now I want to talk about exploiting your opponents as soon as you get a read. So the thing about your HUD and the statistics is you're using it for a reason, and that reason is to exploit your opponents. If you don't think 30 opportunities is enough to exploit somebody with, then go ahead and wait for a bigger sample size. But you are not effectively using your HUD this way. As soon as you get a read on an opponent, you should start exploiting them. You don't have to wait until your HUD has 1,000 hands or 100 opportunities to know that they fold a lot to c-bets, or they love to 3-bet, or they're constant limpers and callers pre-flop. Let's think about tournament players. They sit at a table, and they generally don't have more than 30 to 50 hands on the other players at the table. So what? Are they not supposed to make decisions based on HUD stats? If that's the case, HUDs would be useless for tournament players, All they would do instead is just play against the average opponent at their stakes. No, what you need to do is utilize your HUD as soon as possible to make exploitative decisions. So, for example, you have only 20 hands on Bob123. Maybe he has limped in twice. He's called four open raises. He has not open raised himself, nor has he three bet yet. It's pretty easy to see that Bob123 is a passive player, and you should target them for value. But what about Suzy789? In your first 20 hands with her, she has V-pipped 60%, she's raised 6 times, and she has 3-bet twice. Suzy789 loves to play aggressive poker, obviously, so you can assume she's a loose aggressive player, and you can now tailor your decisions and play against her this way. A lot of players don't want to make assumptions because they don't want to be wrong. But Poker is a game of incomplete information. Because you have incomplete information, you have to make assumptions. So go ahead and start making your assumptions and basing some of your plays on those assumptions. And use those statistics, even though they have a small sample size, use them to back up your decisions. All right, let's talk about in position versus out of position stats. Most of these statistics in your HUD are going to be total stat percentages. But in your pop-ups, like I have within my smart HUD, you might have the various statistics there for in-position and out-of-position play. Now, these are useful even in small sample sizes. So maybe you're not comfortable exploiting a total fold-to-flop c-bet of 16 out of 20 hands, which is 80%. I don't know why you wouldn't be comfortable, but maybe you don't think that's enough folding to know they fold a lot versus c-bets. But what if their fold-to-flop c-bet is 12 out of 14 times when out of position and 4 out of 6 times when in position? Now this tells me that they're quick to fold when out of position, so if I'm in position and considering a bluff, you can be sure I am going to pull the trigger. But if I'm out of position and they've only folded 4 out of 6 times, I might only c-bet bluff with the best drawing hands or I might choose to make my out-of-position c-bet bluffs bigger in order to get them to fold. Lastly, let's talk about some live players and the use of statistics. So if anybody is still listening as a live poker player, uh, you can use the idea of statistics to help you make your decisions on the live poker felt. When one of your opponents makes a play, ask yourself, how often does this player do that? How often does this player open raise? How often do they call, bet, see bet? How often do they three bet? How often do they donk bet? If you have any kind of read on your opponent, then you might be able to answer this question. And your answer, it's going to guide you to the correct response. Now, even though on the live poker felt, you don't have a HUD, there aren't some magical numbers above somebody's head, right? I still think that practicing poker online while using a HUD, it's good for live players because it gives you experience in thinking about your opponent's frequencies. The more thought you put into the frequencies of your opponents and the more plays you make based on these frequencies, the more positive EV decisions you'll be making both online and live. challenge here's my challenge to you for this episode over your next five sessions before you make a decision based on a hud statistic look at the number of hands you have on your opponent and the sample size that the statistic is based on the larger the sample size the more reliable the statistic is now it's your turn to pull the trigger and do something positive for your poker game Well, that's it now get out there and be somebody Alrighty, thank you so much for listening today, but your learning isn't complete until you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 407. You get a complete transcript of today's episode and links to everything I discussed, including my YouTube page, smartpokerstudy.com slash YouTube, where a brand new episode every weekday this month. And of course, you have to become a lifetime member right now to thepokerforge.com. By one year, get life you owe this to yourself full access to the nine masterclass courses with the 10th one coming next year and all the other stuff that PokerForge members get by one year get life go to the pokerforge.com right now until next time take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be